every time I would say, but uh, he would go, butter. <laughs> butter. <laughs> so yeah, I picked up on how often I said that at that point and replaced it with, yeah, um, I guess. And also, so yeah. So yeah. Howdy, listener, and welcome to The Right Inspiration, the only writing podcast you will ever need from the Creative Writing Club of Full Sail University. I'm Adam Lupiani, and today I'm going to be joined by Olga Colazzo Perez. She is the president of the Writing Club, and we're going to be talking about the workshops that she hosts and writing things that happened in real life. Olga, I want to to talk a little bit today about the club, and then we can talk about writing things that have actually happened in real life. Okay. First, how are you doing today? Well, you know, living the dream. <laughs> <laughs> living the living the Central Florida dream. Oh man, isn't it great, Central Florida? All the humidity, none of the beaches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah Are you getting is it like afternoon shower season yet uh i think we're starting to get there okay. um it hasn't rained in like a week but uh it was supposed to rain something today and i think i already hear the thunder rumbling mm-hmm. we're getting there to to start with uh you are you're in the creative writing program and you've actually been able to do a mix of online and campus classes i have yes do you find that do you prefer one over the other? Um, they each have their merits. Um, I like, I really like being able just to get up in my pajamas, log into Zoom and do my class that way. Um, it's so convenient. And, you know, when you have the, when you and your professor have the same like attitude towards like participation, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's an enjoyable experience. Um, but then, you know, I've also experienced classes where there just wasn't enough time because the online classes have, um, you only, you only meet once a week on zoom, whereas in, in the in-person classes, you, you meet twice a week. So, you know, for the online classes, the, the instructor is forced to condense what he gives the in-campus, on-campus students two days to, to get through that material. He has to condense it into one, four hour span. And it's, it's rough. Like those, those zoom sessions are like sprints of, you know, he has to say, I can't answer any questions up front, just save them, write them down. I might answer them along the way. Mm-hmm. And it's just a sprint through information and it's nonstop. I felt bad. Like when, when, one instructor, you know, went over time, he went over time by almost an hour and it was straight him talking. That's it. It was wow. impressive, <laughs> Yeah, but that's also not the kind of environment that I like to learn in. I like, you know, back and forth. So, you know, it's, I guess the price you pay for convenience of being in the comfort of your jammies at home. Yeah. Do you find that on campus, you're getting more opportunities to interact with your instructors, like not just in class, but, but separate? Do you find any opportunities for that? I don't, I don't run into my instructors outside of class. So like I might see them in the hallway later like and it's just in passing because we're both busy if we're on campus it's because we're going somewhere right mm-hmm. it's not like in my experience and you know experiences may vary 
but Fulton isn't your typical campus where you spend all day hanging out on campus, you know, going between libraries and school buildings and whatever else. And mm -hmm. it, you go in the morning and you leave in the evening. Like I only go to campus if I have a class to attend and that's it. And then I leave campus again. That might be a me thing because I'm older and I don't really have friends here. And my classes have been generally small, like three of us in a class. Mm -hmm. I've even wow. been in a class where I was the only student. So, you know, I don't, I don't have much interaction with peers because right. I don't have many. <laughs> that's really interesting. And that's surprising. Like you've mentioned how few people have been in some of your classes before. And I just like, it's just so hard for me to wrap my head around. Yeah, they told me it was a result of the month I decided to start classes. Uh, that's just not a month that they had a lot of people enrolling. So the class sizes are naturally going to be smaller. Mm -hmm. So, you know. It's just so interesting, like the the creative writing program being so, I mean, it makes sense, right? You don't have to work alongside people for most of what you're doing. Yeah very solo effort for the most part and even even when i was uh doing a collaboration work for for class assignments we did it on discord mm -hmm. we didn't stay on campus to do it we each went back home hopped on discord and did our collaboration there yeah it's 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 a very individual field and i think uh, i i want to say and i don't know how accurate this is but i want to say that as writers i think we are just naturally more living in our own heads we're more introverted Mm -hmm. um that you know it doesn't matter if we have a class of three people or a class of 20 people because we're not going to talk to them anyway you know <laughs> i want to go live in the world that i want to write about yeah yeah have you read um this is going to be a weird re reference have you read the the book fangirl no i've not it's like a like a young adult rom-com thing i guess i'll look for it the uh the the protagonist the the main the main girl in that book is uh like a creative writing major an english major or something and uh she has an assignment where she has to like write something collaboratively with a classmate and um i'm not sure when the book came out but it's like they write collaboratively by meeting in the school library and like passing the page back and forth they like take turns writing paragraphs it's just uh yeah it's it's funny <laughs> it's funny it's like that, a very like, ad-lib way of, of writing yeah I, tr I tried doing something like that um online mm -hmm. uh where i was i started a story and then i put it out there to like this is when i was actually on facebook to like the facebook land and i was like okay guys uh, where do you want to see this go? Like what, what should happen next? Mm -hmm. uh, and sometimes I'd get serious responses. Sometimes I would get something stupid. Like she does like, seriously guys, <laughs> F you too. <laughs> like, if you don't want to see the story, then just, you know, remain silent, ignore my posts. Right. There's also a whole, a whole subreddit and I am not recommending to our listener that they, <laughs> that they go on Reddit for anything at all. But, um, but if you're feeling brave, and you want to venture onto Reddit, there is a subreddit that's, I think it's r slash past the paragraph. That is just, somebody will write an initial paragraph and then all of the comments are people adding paragraphs to it. And so if you read all of the, like the top voted paragraphs, it, it like continues the story. I don't know, that kind of thing is interesting. It produces some really interesting stuff, but it, 
seems like for something that needs to get done in the short term for a grade, not a good way of going about it. It's yeah. just very chaotic. Very chaotic. And there's no, unless, unless like some pre-work had been done uh, mm -hmm. and you both are along the same page as to where this should be heading, it could, it could be quite the meandering ride. Yeah. Is there a piece that you've worked on for, for class that you've continued to work on or like you have the intention of developing further? Uh, there are a couple actually. So no, I'm going to say that there's three okay. uh, and two of them are completely unintentional. Let me start with the intentional one, developing new worlds. You, you create your own story Bible, right? And it was just a story that I just spat out uh, or story idea, I should say, that I just spat out and, and developed into this big old story Bible. Uh, that's something, you know, I have all, I have a world just sitting on paper there waiting for me to write the story that I have already outlined. So that is something I would like to actually get to one day and actually write it. So that's the intended one. Uh, the two unintentionals is back in Christopher Ramsey's class, which I think is like multimedia storytelling or something like that. Okay. I wrote a story about a child psychopath. And I thought this was just going to be a one-off story because it was like really hard to write and it was super disturbing, but it was, I think it, I, I don't say this often about my stuff, but I think it's 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 coming from a unique place and it has its own weird, disturbing vibe uh, that I, I, I kind of like it. And I ended up revisiting uh, that that little universe last month in um, in tragedy and comedy, which uh, mm -hmm. one. Uh, so I wrote a story about the same family from the father's perspective instead of the children's perspective. OK. And now this month. I'm still in that same universe, but I'm writing it from the mother's perspective. Oh. So, uh, and it's, and each of these little perspectives are taking place at a different point in time. So it's like these, these are all companion stories to each other. And they're telling the stories from a different place, from different, different viewpoints, different emotions. So it's been an interesting little experience. Uh, maybe, maybe I'll write enough of these and I'll just put them together in a little chat book or something. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, so, so that's, that's one. And then the other is um, in children's entertainment, I wrote a story. Um, I know, you know what, I think it goes further back than that. Um, in mythologies class, I wrote, uh, you have, to, he, he came up with a new assignment that you have to write a short story based off of mythology, but he only gave you like a thousand words. So it's not a short story. It's, it's flash fiction, mm -hmm. uh, which is really hard to do a, a myth, like recreate a myth in a thousand words or less. Right. Like, uh yeah like it's incomplete and there's a whole lot of telling you know <laughs> yeah but i picked um uh the the legend of uh Wichi, which is a, a chinese myth about a girl and a snake and um i reworked it because it, it's an adaptation that we had to do and i reworked it so that lychee was a, a girl a blind girl named anna and the snake was now a werewolf um and like i said it's super short it's more like I'm telling the story and I'm not, I'm not showing anybody the story. So that the, what I turned in in that class, I think was a little lacking, uh, mm -hmm. but in YA, I decided to take that same idea and expand on it. And it turned out pretty, pretty decent. Mm -hmm. And after, after I, you know, I turned it in for grades, uh, my professor, Mark Thomas said that I should, I should fix it. Like he, he recognized that I, I ran into a word count wall and that he thinks if I, if I expand it, the story could be like really good. So I did, and he wrote me back and said, uh, he can't even find any fault with it now. And now it's time to like continue on with the story and finish it. So I think I'm, I'm going to finish that too. That's great. Yeah. That one, I still owe you some feedback on, don't I? Hmm. Yeah. That one's really good. Uh, spoiler alert. I like it a lot. Um, <laughs> 
spoiler on the feedback that actually kind of brings us nicely to my next question uh which is about the the workshops that we have in the the writing club that you host once a week on discord yes who all is able to bring work to those workshops and uh what what kind of work is intended for them to bring uh okay so if you're a club member, you can bring stuff to work. However, we are focusing on the people who manage to get into the sign-up sheet, which we allow five people to sign up every week. Uh, and if you had signed up the week before, we ask that you don't sign up in the next week, you know, skip a week and go into the next week. Uh, because we're trying to like open up the space so that we can get as many different, you know, a variety of different submitters. And mm -hmm. if it happens that, and it has in the past that, you know, we get through who the people who have signed up, then anybody who's left and would like to present something you know, that's their time to do it. Um, the workshops are two hours long. So sometimes that's enough time and sometimes that's just woefully not <laughs> enough time. <laughs> yeah. Inadequate. The kinds of work that they can that they can bring is uh, we accept poems, uh, scripts, prose, schoolwork, um, you know, they can bring in their lore ideas. They can bring in just a straight up idea that they want to workshop, you know, talk it out with people and see what, what anybody thinks, um, you know, it doesn't have to be a completed work. It could be a portion of a work. It could be like in the middle of the story that you have already completed and you just want to focus on that little chunk. As long as it falls within like the uh, the PG-13 guideline and the word count slash page count guidelines, which is 2000 words for prose. And I think we do 10 pages for scripts. Yeah, I don't remember off the top of my head either. It says it when you go to the workshop sign up sheet, it'll it, it says it and I think in all of our announcements too, it has uh, accounts. Uh, so yeah, um, but the PG 13 guideline is very important school rule. It is what it is. I'm going to check on it just so that we can say it on poems and scripts maximum five pages. Yeah, okay. Yeah, well, because we do a table read of the script. Yeah, we do. So it makes sense because five minutes keeps it to five minutes, which then allows for plenty of time for the discussion about for feedback and stuff like that. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, the one the one script that I brought having it doing the table read of it. Was yeah, like you, really you had some cool. really good readers that day. It was yeah. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so who is who is the the club open to who can become a member of the club? current students, past students, alumni, and applicants. So as long as you have an FSO login, you can you can become a part of the club. And what's the what's the procedure for joining joining the club and being able to participate in in activities? So the first thing we ask for you to, for everyone to do is go to FSO to the club page, click on the join icon there, um, and then come to the Discord uh, and fill out uh, the submission form. We will process the submission form, verify you, take you out of your beginner status and give you access to the rest of the server. And uh, that's, that's that, welcome. Yeah, and then there's about 300 people in the server, I yeah. think. Yeah, I think so too. And I think of like between 50 and 100 people, I think are active like on a weekly basis. I think that's accurate. Yeah, that's, that's my. Estimate. I'm always surprised with how how many people, how many different names I see posting in general chat. Mm -hmm. 
you know, it's in, it, I think we're really lucky too, because we have a really good group of people. Mm -hmm. Everybody's like very positive and very positive, very helpful, very supportive. Yeah. And that's one thing too, that's really impressed me with the, the workshops. Um, I said this when I was talking to Sammy about feedback, but I was like hesitant when I was just a member and the workshops were happening. I was like kind of hesitant to go because people often have strong opinions, uh, especially about their own work. And it can, it can very easily sort of devolve into bickering about details. And that has not been the case any time that I've been at a workshop. I don't think it's ever happened. Yeah, there's certainly, you know, somebody might offer a correction and the, the author might push back against that a little bit, but it is always really respectful and friendly. Mm. Um, yeah, I've been super yeah, and- impressed. Yeah. And, and just because somebody pushed back on it doesn't mean that they're in the wrong either, that they're, they're being stubborn because, you know, sometimes we do things that seem wrong, but we did them for a reason. And mm-hmm. so, you know, as long as you know the rule, you can break the rule, but breaking the rule usually means that you have a reason for having done it. You know, if it's mm-hmm. intentional and there's purpose behind that, the breaking of that rule, then, you know, usually they let it go, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, explaining yourself isn't, isn't a bad thing. I don't want anybody to think that just because someone's giving you feedback on something means that they're right and you're wrong. Right. You know? Also like you're not under any obligation to make the changes that are suggested. In Absolutely none. So you, you have written a few things in your, your time at Full Sail that talk about things that have that have happened to you in your past iterations of your life. How do you like approach covering those things? What is like, if you're, you're like, okay, I want to write about this thing that happened to me. How do you sort of decide like how accurate you need to be? I think the first thing you need to decide when you're going to be using past experience uh, as a basis for you, for what you're writing is what is it that you're writing? Are you writing an essay? Are you writing something that's intended to be like a factual communication of, of, of past events? Um, or are you writing a fiction, something that's, you know, may or may not be real, it doesn't matter, but you're, you're, gonna, you're gonna set it up as fiction. I'm trying to think of what the name was. We went over some stories that were, um, it, I, okay, no thing to think about here. It, it was nonfiction. These were, these were stories written prose stories mm-hmm. that were nonfiction and they were powerful. And it's not like, it's, it's like personal events, you know, that, that, that they're choosing to put out there, but right. you know, that the protagonist is also the author. Mm-hmm. Like they're not trying to hide it. Mm-hmm. And those are really hard to write because you are basically laying your soul bare on the paper for everyone to read. Right. Those are, those are extremely difficult because in those cases, for it to stay in the nonfiction realm, it has to be accurate, you know? Right. Um, like maybe, maybe a little bit could be fudged for like dramatic sake, but for the most part, I think you want to like hit the bigger points and have it be accurate to your perspective because that's important too. Not everybody perceives the same events in the same way. Like what I see happening might not be what you see happening because we each are approaching experiences from our own unique standpoints in life. Mm-hmm. You know, our own experiences will influence how we see events happening. Mm-hmm. If you're going to write a fiction, a, you know, a non-factual story based off of things that had happened to you, then um, I would say that you have to be very careful not to conflate yourself 
as the protagonist, because even though these events happen to you, this story is not about you. The story is about this other character. Therefore, things can veer off and things can just go in a completely different way. A very good example of this is, I haven't done it yet, but I will. Next month, I have a writing workshop too. Uh, and I have to write a TV episode for NCIS. I have three ideas floating around in my head already. And the basis for those ideas, for those storylines, are based off of things that have happened to me in my Marine Corps career. That being said, just because they're based off of me, none of this is going to be real because guess what? I'm not dead. <laughs> nobody died <laughs> in anything that I was ever involved with with the Marine Corps. Uh, nobody got arrested. So all of this is like totally fake. It's just the nuggets of truth, the nugget of that experience is what is influencing, what is propelling these stories into reality mm -hmm. or into the fictional reality, rather. Yeah, I guess that brings up a good, like another good aspect of it, making those judgment calls about like, what do I get to fudge or how far can I stretch this truth and have it still represent reality or represent a plausible reality in some way? I guess that feels like very similar to like adapting actual events into fiction. Like if you're building a total fantasy world and, you know, everything is being built from the ground up for it, then you can kind of have whatever you want happen and explain whatever you want. But if I want to write a story about people living in ostensibly the same world as us, then things have to be grounded, even if like my story is entirely fictional. Uh, yeah, I would agree with that. So like, let's say you want to write a historical fiction piece, or you want to write uh, a story about Jane Austen while she was writing Pride and Prejudice, for example. Jane mm -hmm. Austen's a real person. She really wrote Pride and Prejudice. But you're, it's, it's going to be a completely made-up story. Mm -hmm. um, or maybe, to make this even less factual, you want to write a story about a Jane Austen fan in present day that somehow gets time warps into Elizabethan um, you know, England or whenever it was that it wasn't Elizabethan, it was uh, Regency era. Mm -hmm. That's when she I can already see Back this into... movie in my head. It stars, it stars Lily Collins. <laughs> Back into Regency era England, then I would do some research on Jane Austen about the Regency era and then sprinkle facts in there, like just so it odds, it, it lends authenticity to the idea and, and the events themselves. But you don't have to like, do like in-depth research and know Jane Austen's day-to-day -day. just you know have like the big points correct like who did she live with you know where did she live mm -hmm. um you know get get the date range right maybe do some research on on the fashion of the era because fashion was like really important mm -hmm. um so you, so you get those big details right uh and then that's just going to add a flavor of authenticity to your fictional piece of work because clearly nobody has ever time to work back in the Regency era England right it's like the, it's like writing rules. Like we were saying about writing rules where like you can break rules. That's fine. You can like stretch reality. It's okay. But like just making it up whole cloth is like not going to pan out well. Yeah. Like you have to be aware of how a thing actually works or actually happened to, to sort of understand how to pull and tug at the edges of it. Yeah. I think, I think a good example of this is Titanic. That movie is completely made up, except for the fact that there was a giant boat that lots of people were on it and it sank. Mm -hmm. But everything else that happened on that story, so, you know, in that movie is completely false. I don't think there was ever a Rose or whatever Leo's character's name was. Mm -hmm. You know, they they just that's all made up. Yeah. But they didn't they didn't have to be real for that story to be compelling. So when you're writing about something that actually happened to you 
especially if you are looking to tell it in a more nonfiction or in a, a less fictional sense, I guess is, is what I should say. How do you decide like whether or not you're going to keep people's names the same? And I should say like, none of this is legal advice. If you're writing about other people who are real, you should probably talk to a lawyer before you make any final decisions. Um, but just, you know, personally for yourself, when you're sitting down to write, like for school, my personal feelings about this, like I, I've, I've written a couple stories uh, that were clearly things that happened to me. And one of them was actually in the nonfiction genre. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I chose to keep the names the same because anybody who is reading it that knows me and, and is in this story is going to know, <laughs> is going to know that that's them, whether I change their name or not, you, you know, and otherwise it doesn't matter what their name is because they don't know these people anyway. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't matter. Like the people who are in the know are gonna are gonna know who I'm talking about, regardless of whether I change their names or not. So I just kept the names the same. Did you feel that way because it was uh, for school and you didn't necessarily intend on publishing it? Is that something that you would think about changing if you decided to publish that piece? Maybe. Like the one that I was initially thinking about, like I was just whatever. I'm just gonna write it and write it. Mm -hmm. Then I think of another. Uh, short script I wrote uh, that um, <clears throat> concerns my current neighbor. Mm -hmm. It was the story itself never happened. Like those events as they play out in the script never happened. However, I, I picked everything that happened from something that really did happen from an interaction with her that actually did happen. Mm -hmm. uh, so the, the non-truth that is that script is littered with factual events, like with things that happened. They're just, they didn't happen altogether. Right. Mm -hmm. They never, the, all of these weird things didn't coalesce into this, into the story. Like they all happened in different points in time. Um, and when I wrote this, I felt, I felt conflicted because um, I wanted to like write the truth of the situation, but and I, I even, I even like hesitate to talk about this because she is such a character in real life. Like, I don't even think I could make up somebody like her. The way I, I have arranged the events such that they all happen together, she looks like she looks like a total wax job. Mm -hmm. And so, like, one, do I keep her name the same? I did not keep her name the same. And two, I thought of if she ever read this, would would she feel bad? Would she feel like I was picking on her? Would she feel like I was attacking her? And you know, that it's still, it's still like I don't think I'm ever ever gonna do anything with that script. Like it was just for an assignment and I might just lose it because I still feel like if she ever saw that, she, she might get hurt. And I think that's something you really need to take in effect. What you're writing, if the people who saw it might get hurt by the writing of it, um, you need to take that into consideration. Mm -hmm. If your answer is yes, but it is something that really happened. And so they're getting hurt does not eclipse how I felt about the situation, then maybe you want to keep it as is, you know? Like, cause sometimes the truth hurts, you know? And if you're the type of person that, that did these things, you know, and what you did, the reality of what you did or finding the reality of what you did might hurt you, but what you did to me hurt even worse. Mm -hmm. Maybe you need to hear the truth. Maybe you need to get hurt. I don't know. Like, these are things you just need to weigh and it's a case by case basis. Yeah, there's certainly an element of like speaking truth to power sort of mm. that's a, maybe a little bit more of like a journalism thing but there there is there's an element i think of that in the sense of like like if you are writing about things that 
that caused harm, whether to you or to other people, right? Like maybe that's a maybe that's a decision that you're comfortable making, that the the author is comfortable making the decision to say like, well, no, I'm going to name this person, or I'm going to keep their name the same, or I'm going to make them otherwise easily identifiable because they need to answer for the thing, or they need to be held accountable for the thing or the things that yeah. they did that are depicted in this piece. And it's, you know, that feels very different to me than just like, I'm going to write something that could be seen as making fun of somebody who is like odd and, you know, a character and unintentionally silly, but otherwise not hurting anyone. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's the punching down thing, right? Like we don't want to yeah. punch down. I think that, yeah, I I, th- I would agree with, with what you're saying. There's a, a very old saying that the, the pen is mightier than the sword. Mm-hmm. And it calls to mind a scene from A Knight's Tale where the Chaucer character, after when they first encounter him and he's naked and, and uh, the gambling debts and all of that goes down, he tells the guys that the, the two the two bookies that were that took all of his clothes and, you know, left him naked and for dead on the road. Uh, he says that he will eviscerate them on paper, like in history, he will eviscerate them in history, you know, mm-hmm. using his talent with writing. And that's what he does uh, in the um, Canterbury Tales. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, like that's, that's a truth. Like if somebody did something to you and you want, you want to make that, that known to the whole world, eviscerate them for all of history, put it in writing. But also check with the lawyer first. Also check with the lawyer because this is not, uh, you know, Chaucer, England. So, yeah. So you are working on this NCIS script for your next class, or you will be working on it for your next class in terms of thinking about the experiences that you've had that you are drawing on. Um, are you sort of like revisiting any documentation of like your past experiences? Are you mostly just going from memory? Um, how are you like preparing to to write about those things? It's it's mostly memory because the things the the events that I'm going to pull from are like deeply personal, but they're going to be highly fictionalized. So hopefully none of that like personal trauma comes out on paper. Mm-hmm. And having said that, there's there's not really any paperwork to go with this stuff. Um, mm-hmm. The preparation is just a whole lot of things. Thinking of, you know, what from those experiences can be fuel for a plot. How would I have to change? Because sometimes real life is unbelievable as fiction. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I have to be careful that I'm not to fall into the trap of saying, you know, like if somebody reads what I've wrote and, and they want to tell me that it doesn't, it's unbelievable. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't work as good fiction. I can't be defensive and be like, well, it actually happened because who right. cares? Yeah. Who cares? Like in a lot of stuff that happened to me, just you, you listen to the story and you're just like, are you serious? Like that, that happens. Like you, if you see that actually happening in, in like a TV show or something, you'd be like, nobody's that stupid. Mm-hmm. That would never happen that way ever, you mm-hmm. know? But then I tell you, well, like, I mean, somebody, somebody was that stupid <laughs> because they said that to me. <laughs> I can think of any number of times that's happened. I think what's going to, what's going to do once I figure out which of like the three ideas I am, you know, bouncing back and forth between, which of those are the ones I'm going to select. I'm probably going to have to like sit down with a couple of different people, pitch on the idea 
uh, the the series of events and how I want to alter them and see if they're like that. That doesn't sound like it would ever happen. Like that, that just does not. That's mm -hmm. too much. It's too much. Take some of that out. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we'll see. And that that process is probably going to happen in like the first week of the first week of class when we have to pitch our log lines. I think another thing too, a big difference between real life and fiction is that like so much stuff just goes unresolved in real life, big things and little things, right? Like when I think about my life and the lives of most people that I know, there are so many like loose ends, right? And that doesn't work in fiction. In fiction, you have to like tie things up. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's a lot like dialogue, like good dialogue is not real dialogue mm -hmm. uh, because people in books and people in movies are witty. They, mm -hmm. their conversations have a point and everything they say in said conversation serves a purpose. Whereas if you could just listen to the recording of this conversation, it meanders. And some of the stuff that we're talking about has nothing to do with anything. Right. You know, characters need to follow that same rule. Like, you know, somebody might have existed in, in the actual scenario, but that doesn't mean that they're going to, I'm going to have some rando character that serves zero purpose in there just because he, you know, he was a part of this experience in real life. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're pulling from real experiences, you're just pulling, I, I would say you're just pulling the high, the, 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 the wave tops of, of the thing, of the events, mm -hmm. like, what is the main core of that event pulling that and then shoving it into the fictional world with totally fictional people even when people like write memoirs and non-fiction stuff right they're they're really like highlighting the most story-like aspects of the things that have happened to them yeah um and they're they they are doing a bit of like what is it like massaging the the narrative a little bit to get it mm. into the shape that they want they're like yeah. forming it like clay I think even though it's it's stuff, especially when you're writing the nonfiction, you need to be able to take a step back and realize that you're not the person that you're writing about anymore. Therefore, you're not writing about yourself per se, mm -hmm. um, because we are ever growing and ever evolving people. And I know writing it in the non nonfiction sense, it feels like you're exposing yourself. You're you're opening yourself up to ridicule, to, to censure, to criticism uh, on a deeply personal level. Um, and I think that's that's the hardest part about writing nonfiction mm -hmm. when you're writing about yourself. So you just have to, I think you just have to be able to, to be able to take that step back and realize that you aren't this person anymore. It may have happened to you in the past, but those events, you know, helped inform who you are today. So whether it was good or bad, you are a result of what happened. And so there was a purpose and you just need to take it all in stride. Yeah, I think that's good. Where can people find you? uh i i i'm a terrible social media person i'm on discord a lot so you can find me on discord on the the creative writing club uh yeah and um i am on twitter i think it's derpy camel okay. i think that's my twitter handle is derpy camel and i am on instagram as hello staff sergeant kaylee that's h-e-l-l-o-s-s-g-t-k-a-y-l-e -E. uh but uh warning my Instagram is mostly cats and flowers. So I think that's what the internet wants. <laughs> cats and flowers. <laughs> Do you want to share your website? Uh, it's uh, olgamariacp.wixsite.com portfolio. Cool. So really quick here at the end, I just want to say thank you to all of our listeners. 
and to ask if there are any topics in and around writing that any of you would like to hear covered on this podcast. Feel free to leave us a comment on whatever podcasting app you use or tweet us at FullSailCWC and let us know what you'd like to hear about. The Write Inspiration is presented by the Creative Writing Club at Full Sail University. This episode was produced by Michael Roland and Adam. Lupiani.